We regret to inform you that on November 2nd, 1944, at the Manzanar Relocation Center, your wife and newborn son died due to complications arising from childbirth. Welcome back to Karate Kid Minute, a podcast where we discuss the original 1984 classic, The Karate Kid, one really sad minute at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And welcoming him back today from Marine Corps Movie Minute is Brian Lockhart. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, This is Minute 92 of The Karate Kid. It begins with tucking the old man in and ends with uh, putting the paper down. Uh, We left off on Monday with Daniel putting a pillow under his teacher's head, and then he kind of pulls a blanket over him. And I'm just seeing him. This is like California. This house does not look like it has any air conditioning. He's wearing this entire dress uniform, and now Daniel's pulling a thick blanket over him. I'm like, God, that must be so hot. Do we know what time of year this is? Because there's plenty of times where it looks like it's, it's even though it's California, it looks like it's cold out there. I think it's around December. Um, it's, 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 a, it's between... Uh, well, it's between Halloween and <laughs> well, good point. Uh, December nineteenth, yeah. the <laughs> the tournament, so somewhere around there. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it November, and it, it, could, it could have been a nice brisk evening. Oh yeah, yeah, I do have something more about the date, but I'll get to that first. Like, uh, oh, uh, I did want to mention in the script they have Daniel, Daniel uh, like pulling a loose thread on his uniform and then kind of smoothing his hair out as well, just kind of taking care of him. Um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, speaking of the uniform, let's talk about the uniform. Um, the uh, the patch on his arm shows that he was in the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. Um, I don't know if you, <laughs> Brian. I don't want to steal any of your thunders. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Um, so uh, I, you know, I, I read about this. Uh, it, it's Composed mon- mostly of second Japanese, second generation Japanese Americans. Uh, mentioned uh, Nisai. Um, they fought in Italy, uh, France, and Germany uh, during World War II. They came from a draft of internment camps in California, and oh, actually they were drafted too. They didn't even volunteer for this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, actually, a huge percentage of them came from Hawaii, where I guess. Um, they tr- they tried to make internment camps happen in Hawaii, but since so many businesses depended on the large Japanese American population there, they decided t- they didn't really uh, set up any uh, internment camps. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of them actually came drafted from there. Um, but yeah, the interned Japanese Americans were given a loyalty questionnaire where they're asked if they were willing to serve in the armed forces. And also if they'd forswear all allegiance to the Japanese emperor and uh, many of the interned uh, American citizens said no to both questions in protest and actually were imprisoned for avoiding the draft. Um, But many of them uh, volunteered in order to kind of prove loyalty to the U.S. and really just like, well, uh, there's here and then there's fighting in Europe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so I, you know, I guess they also, you know, they wanted to kind of escape the camps as well, um, and who could blame them? But uh, another factor for the this whole uh, 
442nd setup. I think there was also the, the 100th. Uh, they were set up uh, because the war was costing a lot of white American lives. <laughs> and, uh, you know, why not draft an untapped resource? <laughs> um, so you're not you're not trusted enough to have your freedom to go where you please as like in the country, but mm-hmm. we trust you enough to fight the war, like and not, so. and not defect. I don't know. Like it doesn't make any sense. Well, if yeah. they defect, they get shot. Right. Especially in yeah. wartime that they wouldn't think twice about it. Especially were, they, were they always accompanied by uh, like a, a bigger platoon of white people or like, yeah, I don't know. know. That's Again, not clear, but I would have to imagine that there were they were interspersed with, I mean, with white commanders or, or something of that matter. I, I can't I can't say for sure. I'm just assuming. Yeah, I would. I if they're that paranoid, you'd think they'd go the full paranoia and like just assume that they're gonna like frag their commander and leave on mass yeah. and everything. I mean, that being <laughs> said, Mr. Miyagi is a staff sergeant, and that's an E six. So that, you know, I mean, granted, he's not a officer, but he definitely made rank within the enlisted rank. Um, mm. You know, he's that's not half bad. So, you see, he definitely had some responsibility. He definitely had probably men under his um, command. Um, and especially since he was in combat, he probably had a uh, possibly he could have been a platoon sergeant, um, something, mm. something of that nature, um, which, you know, is again, there's, you know, there's probably like like. Clint Eastwood in my movie was a gunny and he was a, you know, the platoon sergeant basically. And, mm-hmm. but he still had a Lieutenant uh, above him. And then of course all the brass and all that. So, um, you know, Miyagi probably had a, a Lieutenant or a captain or something like that, that was, um, you know, in charge, but he was, uh, somebody important within that platoon probably. Me, I, I, I was, I had that question as well when I was uh, researching the four, 440, uh, 442nd, uh, and I didn't really get any good answers. I, you know, to me, I just felt like they were, I mean, they obviously didn't send them to fight, uh, Japan. They, they were like, okay, we won't push it. We won't trust it that far. We'll, we'll send them to Italy and France and all that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just kind of assumed it was more like, you know, they wanted to prove that, you know, they were, Americans and they were willing to fight for the country. And uh, I don't know. And, and again, like uh, internment camps are uh, pretty bad and they wanted to get out of there. Um, I mean, there was, I mean, that it makes sense. I mean, it, it's, it's actually smart that they allowed them to, to join up and, and be, you know, it, it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I got to watch my wording, but <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. You say you're loyal. Mm-hmm. We're giving you an opportunity to be loyal. At the same time, wars cost, you know, blood, bullets, and, you know, and, and, and money. You know, there's there's these fighting age men just sitting here in a camp being, you know, be, you know being wasted right. uh, as far as a, from a military perspective. Especially yeah. when you're drafting everyone. So it's like, why not? You know, why not? You know, hey, here's your chance to prove your loyalty. You know, here's just more, you know, more bodies to grind up in the machine. And... Mm-hmm. You know, and and again, you know, some of the, some people want to prove, like, no, I'm, like I said, they they have multiple reasons why they want out. They want they don't want to be in internment. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe some of them are, you know, look, I was born in America. I'm an American. Others may have just been like, I've adopted my, you know, home country now. Uh, you know, so it's, like I I actually served. I went to boot camp with at least one 
uh, person who was an Ill- illegal immigrant, mm-hmm. um, or he was not a citizen, I should say. I don't know if he was illegal or not, but he was not an American citizen. But they allowed him to join um, because it was, and I think they still do this today. I, I can't say for sure, but it was like it, it gave him so much, so many more. Uh, it would give him a leg above everybody else, and it get quicker to the path of you know legal citizenship. Yeah, um, and 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 this guy was from Guatemala, and he he just you know he came in and he you know he was just one of one of our he's one of the Marines, you know, and it was this is what it is. Um, but you know back then too there were people who left America and went to like Germany and they fought in the, in the German army. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you know, you could kind of, kind of see why they maybe were hesitant, but then we're like, as the war's going on, they're like, you know, we should probably do something here and, and, and use these guys. And yeah, were uh, there, it, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Were there German internment camps in the States? Well, that's the thing, <laughs> it, you know, because they look like everybody else and you can't easily identify right. them. And, and, you know, it's, I don't it's, know. German last names are pretty, uh, <laughs> there pretty, was some... uh, unique. Yeah. I have two German friends. One's one's last name is fight and the other is Sautag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, 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 but everybody used to change their name back then. Like my, uh, my grandfather was born in America, but his, you know, his, his, uh, grandfather or his father, I should say, came over from, um, well, he was Ukrainian, but he came via Poland, but their last name was Pukish. So when my grandfather was in, he, he was, you know, private PFC Pukish. When he got out, he's like, I, I'm not being called Pukish no more. I'm, I'm Parker. You know, <laughs> he, he changed the name. A lot of people change their name. Um, and, and even, even my last name had a more German sounding name and now it's an English version at some, at some point my family changed it probably during World War II because I didn't want to get, <laughs> no, yeah. it was, it was, it was changed a lot earlier, but I, I, in my research, Sorry, I found that I just say uh, in my research, I did find that, yes, uh, there was uh, some German and Italian, you know, uh, people uh, arrested and and but nowhere near uh, as much as uh, Japanese Americans. And, and and really it had to do with, uh, uh, you know, the majority of Japanese Americans would be uh, settled in California and around, you know, the West Coast. So. You know, there. I think they just felt like there were more. It was more of a concentration, no pun intended, uh, of them there, uh, that they could just they they didn't trust them to. You know, I don't know. It's just awful. Um, but yeah, the the. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say. I mean, I don't know what else you you want to say about the you know four forty second, but they more than proved themselves in effectiveness in combat. Um. In fact, did, did, uh, did their motto is go for broke. And right. we have a national go for broke day, which is April 5th. And mm-hmm. that the reason it's April 5th is because, uh, you know, it was a motto of the, of the, they were the 442nd regimental combat team. And the reason it's April 5th is because on April 5th, 1945, PFC Sato Monomori, he was oh, the first. Yes. First Medal of Honor recipient, and he was killed in action um, in Italy. Yeah. So that's you know that's where they kind of they um, you know that's where they adopted that from. But these these guys, you know, as we'll as we'll learn, you know, already you can see Mr. Miyagi's got quite the fruit salad. Um, you guys ever hear that term? 
Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that like all the little pips and stuff on the chest thing? Yeah, yeah. It's ribbons and stuff. It's a fruit salad. Yeah. I was confused you know. at first, and all of a sudden it made sense. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's you know, it's funny because, uh, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood, we, we joke about his fruit salad in Heartbreak Ridge because it's like triple what you know mr miyagi has but that being said mr miyagi was only in for like two two to four years and mm-hmm. and uh clint eastwood was in for like 30 at that point <laughs> so right. but um yeah so i mean mr miyagi's uh you know uh his fruit sale is pretty impressive especially when you look at what he actually has but the 442nd was you know very highly decorated and mm-hmm. let's see they had Seven presidential. Oh, I can't talk. Seven presidential unit citations, two meritorious service plaques, thirty-six army commendation medals, and eighty-seven division commendations between them. And then individually, the so- individual soldier awards, they had twenty-one medal of honors, twenty-nine distinguished service crosses, fifteen soldiers' medals, and nine thousand five hundred purple hearts. And I'm sure there's way more because obviously Mr. Yeah. Miyagi has more. Um, yeah, I guess it was the most highly decorated unit in the history of the United States military, from what I read, which is just, wow. You know, especially it was like where they got these troops from, uh, and all of a sudden, like, they're the best that ever was, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, the writer of the script, uh, Robert Mark Kamen, says, uh, I thought it was important that the American re- American public remember that the Japanese were interned in this country during World War II, that these Nisai kids felt so patriotic that they had their own regiment, the 442nd, and won more Medal of Honors, Medals of Honor than any other in World War II. I actually have a list of all the, the ribbons that Miyagi has. I don't know if you have the same thing, Brian. I do, I do, but I'll <laughs> let you go. It's your show. Go through it. We'll discuss it. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, if you want to want to specify anything here, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into Medal of Honor uh, uh, on Friday, but uh, there's also the uh, Silver Star. There's the uh, Bronze Star, Army Commendation Medal, the Purple Heart, with an oak leaf cluster, uh, good conduct medal, uh, American defense medal, European African Middle Eastern campaign medal with three campaign stars. Uh, yeah, it was so he he served time down there. That's wow. Uh, and then the uh, World War II victory medal. So yeah, uh, he um uh you know so that, that's pretty impressive. Those are pretty pretty uh major awards. Now I forget. I went through on I uh, on my show and went through what everything Clint Eastwood had, mm-hmm. and and I forget the service stars means he's basically won multiple, uh, you know, multiple awards of that same ribbon. So he's got the you know the European, African, Middle Eastern campaign medal. So I mean, basically he was in Europe. He might have even yeah. been in North Africa, but I think they I think the 442nd was specifically in Italy and um uh and, and France. So they would have. He, that means he was in four different campaigns, basically, you know, four different battles uh, for that. And I forget what the, I was trying to look it up just briefly what the actual the oak cluster means. But it basically just means he's won it more than once. Um, yeah. So he's got let's see. What has he got? One. So he's won it twice, basically. Because mm. he's got Purple one. Run, so he's got. So basically yeah. he got injured twice. You know, injured you know, enough to receive a purple heart. I mean, you can get like you can get hurt and they still never get submitted for it. So, sorry, go ahead. Do you know how many? I don't know how much World War II history you know, but like how many like engagements would the typical soldier get in over the course of their service in the war if they stayed in? You know, if it, if it's an American from the from the start of the 
war to the end of the war like movies make it seem like you know you get in a fight every other day but like is it like just a few and then you basically get sent home or you get sent on leave and like do you get a medal like every time you you live through a fight or like what how's that work Uh, I wish I could answer that, uh, what what the average would be. But I I know, I mean, basically back in World War II, it was, I mean, that what? That war went on for, you know, for us like four years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there was was a, uh, again, I couldn't even tell you. Like like I have a a great uncle that was a Marine and he fought in Iwo Jima and Guadalcanal. So I know of those two because those are two real famous, you know, battles that were, uh, but you know, as far as I know, he, he might've been in more, you know, <laughs> but I only know of the two major ones because again, those battles lasted, you know, in some cases, you know, weeks, yeah. you know, depending on you know what it was. Cause if you got to take a hill, it takes for, you know, 10 days just to, you know, set up your first charge or, you know, bloody fighting for a month, you know, take a month to take a hill sometimes or some of these islands. So, yeah. You know, you know, I, and of course I, I base stuff off of, you know, books I've read, like I've read the band of brothers books. I've read the, yeah, I've seen the show and, and, and this is all based on real life account. And many of those guys were in several, <laughs> you know, battles and, and newer guys maybe were in less cause they didn't, they came in, you know, later. So it just depends. Yeah. yeah I was thinking like, you know, well, how long are you going to survive? You know, <laughs> that, 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 that sometimes deems how long you serve. Uh, right, right. Especially if they're like, you know, they're drafting people, you know, out of internment camps, um, it, 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 you know, towards the end there. Um, well, but, I had a I had a note about um, some of his awards. So, you know, so so you mentioned all of that. And, he, and yeah. on his um, on his right breast, he has a presidential unit citation. Oh, so with that, it's basically uh, how to say it. so. It's it, so a unit that does, you know, something worthy of a citation, basically. And of course, a lot of, you know, the 442nd was definitely one of them. They, uh, you know, they get to wear that on the right to distinguish from from the rest of, you know, your individual ribbons. Now, the Army does things a little different. So mm-hmm. I think it's the Army and I guess technically the Air Force, I guess, would, would be kind of the same. If 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 the 442nd were still around today and you and I were a member of the 442nd, we could wear that presidential unit citation. Mm-hmm. Like if when we were, we were in, we had nothing to do <laughs> with with winning that award, but we could wear it. However, oh. the second we got transferred out, we could no longer wear it. It's only when we're in the that unit. However, somebody like Mr. Miyagi, because he was there when it was won, if he got transferred to a different unit like the 443rd. Let's just say like he could still mm-hmm. wear it, you know, he could still wear it because he won it. You, you know, it's like weird. Like so. But in the Marine Corps and the Navy, if you if you get a presidential unit citation, only the members of the people who, who were part of that unit at the time could wear it. So, the, the you know, the Marines and Navy do it a little different. That's interesting. <laughs> and, and I think uh, there's a uh, where, where's my note? There is. I, I just got to rub this in because it's the first <laughs> Marine division. That's the, one of the most decorated. It's like they're tied with some uh, submarine that had won the most uh, presidential unit citations, which are at number nine. So, oh. <laughs> so beat the 442nd. <laughs> uh, take that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's also pretty impressive with the 442nd because they were only around for two years. And yet they have that many, you know, Medal yeah. of Honors in that short amount of time. So yeah. it's pretty impressive. Oh, oh, sorry. One other thing yeah. about the uh, the fruit salad. 
I th- it's it's I have I had some questions about it. So when when Mr. Miyagi's laying down, it was really hard to kind of tell what he had and if it was in the right order. But I noticed um, when he's talking when when Danielson first shows up and he's drinking, you could get a good shot of it, and you, I can I could kind of see now. Um, Wikipedia did my homework for me, so I was able to look at what Wikipedia had versus what was on screen, and it matched up. So I'm like, okay, they are correct, mm-hmm. but they're not in the correct order. So <laughs> the order that it should be is Medal of Honor, Silver Star, Bronze Star, Purple Heart, then the Army Commendation Medal, and then you know, and then of course the rest as depicted. Oh, so okay. the Purple Heart is actually a higher award than what they depict on on screen. Um. Now, how do you guys feel if I maybe spoil a little something that's going to come up? I won't get too much into it. <laughs> right okay, because it's all related to this. So there is a there's a scene later on where you get another shot of not all the medals and ribbons, but you get you get to see it, okay. and they're different than what he has on his uniform. So I'm like, where do they come from? So so as displayed on screen, I'll let you, you know, you guys can maybe mention it when it comes up. I won't, I'm trying to be coy, you know, uh-huh. but as displayed on, on screen, they show that Mr. Miyagi has a Medal of Honor, a Distinguished Service Cross, a Purple Heart, and a Distinguished Service Medal, and, the, and then the Army Bronze Star. But again, like I would have, I would have probably depicted it differently if it was in the way it's depicted, because they're, they're kind of priorities a little wonky. It's, mm-hmm. it should be Medal of Honor then the Distinguished Service Cross, then the Army uh, Distinguished Service Medal, and then the Bronze Star, and then Purple Heart. So that, like, that would be the proper order, which, again, that's not – like it, it's just the kind of the way it's displayed. But So I, I'm noticing that what he has on his chest and what later is presented on film is not the same thing. So I don't know if they just goofed or maybe Mr. Miyagi has some that – you know in his little box that we didn't see. <laughs> you know, Maybe he mm-hmm. forgot to pin those on. Um, but either yeah, way, that's what I was going to ask. Are those pins or are those sewn on? They're pins. They're, they're little pins. pins. Okay. So what they are is they're just, you can wear your medals like as actual like medals, you know, they just, this is yeah. the way you, you think of them. Um, but these are, you know, a lot of times it gets kind of unwieldy, especially if you have a lot. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, they have the ribbons in place of them. And typically you, you wouldn't pull out your actual medals unless it's like, Hey, we're doing a formal thing tonight. We're we're gonna show them off. So you know, like, <laughs> so one time we they they had us wear our medals. And I had my little, you know, I had my good cookie and my uh, <laughs> national defense ribbon. So you know, wait, wait, what's the good cookie? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good conduct medal. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they call it a good cookie, <laughs> which Mr. Miyagi has the army good cookie. So you know, he did his job well. <laughs> it means he didn't get caught doing whatever he uh <laughs> whatever so he did was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh well, I like I said we're going to talk more about Medal of Honor uh, uh on Friday. Uh you mentioned something that I'm d- I'm going to get a little bit more in detail with. Uh but uh we'll save it. Uh I did want to go uh, further into this uh this minute we have just a few more things before we wrap up. Uh so, so we so Daniel takes the old paper, uh, he takes that paper from uh, Miyagi's hand and brings it over to the lantern to read, <clears throat> and he, he pretty much reads what Miyagi uh, was stuttering out, you know, a little more clearer, so you know people can understand it. Uh, we regret to inform you that on November second, nineteen forty-four, at the Manzanar Relocation Center, your wife and newborn son died 
due to complications arising from childbirth. And I like that. I like this, uh, uh, this great, great shot here of Daniel, uh, on one half of the screen reading, uh, the telegram and on the other half of the screen is just that candle burning. It just seems like very, very intentioned, uh, intentionally set up that shot. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that's what got me into the date here. So, uh, they mentioned in the telegram is November 2nd, 1944. And so is, so is it November 2nd right now? Could this be the anniversary of her death? Yes. <laughs> you I, think so? As soon as you started reading the telegram, I was like, that's, it clicked with me that that's the anniversary he's talking about. It is not his wife's anniversary. That's why he's so pissed drunk. I'm sorry. That's why he's so drunk. <laughs> But the Halloween dance seems so far away in the movie. I know, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I, I, I got I got stuck on that, too. I was like, oh, my God. And this is like 1984. So that's 50 or wait, wait, math, uh, uh, 40 years <laughs> since his wife's uh, death to the date. Um, so I even did some more research like, uh, you know, like November 2nd, 1984 is a Friday. Uh, Allie told Daniel to meet her at the country club on Friday. And mm. so if you remember, this is the same night he's come from the country club. He's covered in spaghetti sauce. Uh, also, uh, November 2nd is really close to Halloween. Halloween was on a Wednesday in 1984. So maybe they had the dance early, but the, the previous a, Friday. Yeah, yeah. But like, there's a lot that happens between the dance and now, like he's there's so <laughs> many, so much training. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it doesn't um, really work out no it's it and it i mean it's definitely more painful to have miyagi drinking on the 40th anniversary of his wife's death but like i think it works better in the movie's timeline to say like he's drinking on maybe their wedding anniversary which you know might be in december or you know <laughs> first couple of weeks or so well, well that's originally what i thought but then i started i was like well maybe that's why he is cel yeah. you know celebrating but he's really not celebrating but I yeah, would say the date in the letter there, you know, the December 2nd or something, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I mentioned this uh, on Monday, but yeah, this is where I had the uh, note from the book, the junior novelization. It says, to Daniel, that had always been a shameful part of America's history. But until that instant, it had been just that history with a jolt. Daniel realized that real people like Mr. Miyagi's wife had been interned while their men like Mr. Miyagi were battling for America. And um, one last little uh, bit of trivia here. Uh, like I said, the letter is written in uh, November 19, 1944. That's when Miyagi was at war. Uh, in real life, Pat Morita was 12 uh, and living at the uh, Tula Lake Segregation Center in Colorado. Um, he was moved there after spending a year and a half in the Gia River camp in Arizona uh, Tula Lake was opened as a place to move interned Japanese inmates suspected of being disloyal or who protested conditions. And that was, it was an overpopulated place with more than 24,000 men, women, and children. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, while Mr. Miyagi was fighting, uh, uh, Pat Morita was, uh, in the middle of it all. And, and like we mentioned before on the podcast, like he was in a body cast, for most of his childhood, he got out of the body cast and had to go to an internment camp straight from the hospital. Uh, so, uh, yeah, America. The yeah. 
<laughs> home um, of free, uh, home of uh, land of free, home of brave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Daniel then kind of drops his arms, looks pretty upset. He looks at his uh, sleeping teacher with pity. He slots, he sighs, he folds the paper and returns it to a box that Miyagi originally pulled it out of. And then that's when the minute ends. So uh, we'll get into the contents of the box uh, on Friday. But um, I did. Have I covered everything? Did I, did I miss anything in this minute? <laughs> no, I, I mean it's pretty. I think he pretty much hammered it. Okay. I I, I would say I just want to say I really yeah. like both Ralph Macchio and Danielson's reaction to reading the letter. Like you, you know that he understands and he legitimately feels like you know. Yeah. I don't want to say shame, but like just he feels for his you know his sensei. So uh, it, it, it's a good scene. I like it. Yeah, and I, I don't know, you know, you, you have, as a kid, you have relationships with the adults, you know, um, and, you know, maybe you know, like a teacher or, you know, a coach or whatever. And then, like, there comes to a point where you, you know, if you are that close to that mentor or whatever, you find out a little bit more about their life. It just makes them into, like, more of a person to you. And just, I don't know, the if I had, like, a, a you know, a father figure or mentor or something like that, that. I'd, I discovered they had this much pain in their background. I'd be like uh, in shock, you know, just feeling so bad. Um, so uh, our, our Wednesday question that we uh, have also uh, uh, pounded into the ground uh, is <laughs> a real simple one. Uh, uh, do you consider Daniel LaRusso the antagonist of the Karate Kid? He, he is not the antagonist. <laughs> he is the protagonist. He is the good guy. Um, I, I, rewatching this uh, literally just yesterday, um, it's so blatantly obvious that that Johnny is the bad guy and the instigator in almost every instance. <laughs> and the only time Daniel really does anything that could be considered antagonistic is is it's always retaliatory yeah you know and, and you got to think about it what is he he's 15 mm-hmm. 16 think something like 16. that yeah something like that. yeah you know and he's and he's you know he thinks he can get one up over on the guys that have just been beating the snot out of them and, and even just making fun of them like they just make fun of them all the time like you know yeah. i love your car uh, mrs larusso you know just stuff <laughs> like that like I mean, how embarrassing is that? You're out with your girlfriend, your mom's got to pick you up, and then the guys that you, you know, are going to beat you up or make it fun of their car. I mean, like, all he was doing was standing there. He didn't do anything. So, yeah, it's he's totally and – he, and he's just doing anything that he can not to get his teeth, uh, teeth kicked in uh, over and over. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a nice – you know, Barney Stinson made it funny that, you know, Johnny Lawrence is the karate kid and that's where everybody jumped on that bandwagon. But if anybody actually watches the movie, it's, it's really obvious that, that Daniel is, you know, not, or, you know, not the antagonist. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we're like, there are so many points in the favor of Daniel being the protagonist that uh, I think we're just going to, it's going to be unequivocally proven. Uh, by the end of this podcast. Uh, but, uh, uh, Brian, we regret to inform you that we need to wrap this podcast up. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. I, I, that was awful. Um, (laughs) Come back on uh, Friday. Even after I said that, what do you think? Yeah, I'll be back. You know what? Uh, there's nothing I love more than a terrible uh, closing line. (laughs) (laughs) I, I'm sure you've uh, you did plenty, you know, uh, talking about heartbreak, rage. You're like, well, that's 
was another heartbreaking minute, but we got to go today. (laughs) I wish they were that clever. Uh, on Wednesday, we do our own plugs. Uh, we just want to let everybody know. Send your feedback to KarateKidMinute at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or join Miyagi-Do Karate Dojo Facebook group. Uh, just search for the Karate Kid Minute. And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are served. And until next time. Uh, you karate guess so. 